Hey everyone, you're listening to But Why Though, the podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, make sure you head over to all of our social media, at But Why Though PC on Instagram and Twitter, and facebook.com slash But Why Though PC for our Facebook. We also have a Patreon. There you can subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month, and you get access to all of our research notes, early episodes, and some bonus content. You know, the stuff that gets left out of the show, as well as some merch. I did just make some stickers, so I will be sending those out very shortly. And if you can't pledge on Patreon, just share our episode. Share our episode with your friends, with your mom, with your grandma, anybody you can think of. And on top of that, make sure you leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, as well as a review. It really helps other people find us, and it means a lot to see what you all think about the podcast. So enjoy the show. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking about a franchise going on its 51st year with a whole bunch of captains, a whole bunch of aliens, and a whole bunch of intergalactic politics. Can I say that? Yeah. And a whole bunch of relevancy to everyday life. We're talking Star Trek again for the second time, but instead of talking about the series, we're talking about everybody's favorite debate, the captains. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. We are going to start us off with a question. So, question of the day. What's your favorite Star Trek series, and who is your favorite captain? I'm going to go first, because it's <laughs> going to be really simple and really quick. One, I don't have a favorite series, because I haven't seen none of them except the two movies. So that would be by de facto... You mean the de- two reboot movies, right? Yes. you got to specify, there's a lot of movies. There's also three reboot movies now. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't count the third one. (laughs) I haven't seen the third one because I kept getting weird. Fast and the Furious in space? Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. It's on Hulu, so we could technically go watch it. I just... Yeah, go watch it. It's pretty good. It's not not bad. It's not terrible. I was trying to do a bullet minute to get my spot still over with, (laughs) and you guys interrupted me. (laughs) Back to the news. Basically, haven't watched any. Chris Pine movies, by de facto default, Chris Pine's my favorite captain. Plus, I actually do like Chris Pine in other movies, and just Chris Pine in general. Chris Pine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Done. That's it, guys. We can go home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Pine Uh, wins the Captain Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so for those of you who have been with us since way, way back... Uh, when we did our Star Trek episode, you will know that Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek series. And obviously, since that is my favorite series, Captain Benjamin Sisko is my favorite captain. And I rock with him all day, every day. Alright, who are your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite series? And I, I mean, I know the answer, but maybe our listeners yeah. don't. 
Yeah, so if you did not tune into our first Star Trek episode, my favorite series is bar none, The Next Generation. Half of that is because I binged it all to write my uh, undergraduate honors thesis. And the other half of it is because I just identify with a lot of the themes in it. And my favorite captain, as you can tell, is Jean-Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart, a.k.a. Charles Xavier, a.k.a. the guy in American Dad. And also in Family Guy. And Family Guy. Technically, he's a baby in Family Guy. Oh, he's a baby in Family Guy. I forgot about that. Yes. And he's a, and, and this is, and I'll get into it when I talk about him, but like the acting ability that exists in Patrick Stewart in The Next Generation alone, it makes me mad that he's mostly only an animated series now. <laughs> so, I'm all right with that. Yeah. As usual, we will have one person leading the episode for the most part. We're probably going to do things a little bit different today and have a lot of conversation, but I'm going to hand my captain's chair over to adrian you are relieved or whatever like the proper term is for star trek i don't know i'm not i'm not part of i'm not part of the federation um i would be a klingon if i had a choice (laughs) usually something bad just happens and somebody sits in the seat if we're gonna be entirely honest (laughs) so you're saying there's a chance i could be a captain despite (laughs) not seeing any of these yes uh matt Matt, Matt's a red shirt. Matt's the red shirt of um, our podcast group today. Uh, that seems to be a common theme. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the way that we're going to do this today, we're not going to go into like the stories and give you a background of the series just because we covered that for the original series, Deep Space Nine and The Next Generation in... Uh, pretty good length. That's one of our longer episodes for the podcast. So if you guys want to go back, take a quick listen to that. If you have no idea what Star Trek is, or if you're not familiar with Deep Space Nine, or the original series, or The Next Generation, go back, listen to it. Episode 4, and then we'll pick up right here. Okay, you're back. What did you think about the episode? Was it awesome? Did I know you check it out was. Through the Other Side of the Wormhole also for Episode 4? Yeah. Okay, go back, listen to that. Come back. All right, welcome back. We're, we're glad to have you. So now that you're all versed on the histories of Star Trek and some of the main series, who are the captains that you might not be familiar with? So we have Captain James T. Kirk, who's played by William Shatner, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, who's played by Patrick Stewart, Captain Benjamin Sisko, played by Avery Brooks, Captain Catherine Janeway, played by Kate Melgrew. If that name's familiar to you and you've never watched her, she's Red from Orange is the New Black. And she's a complete badass in there, too. Yeah, she is. She's definitely, like, the same person, almost. It's awesome. Uh, and then you have Captain John Archer, played by Scott Bakula. He's in a whole bunch of stuff. If you don't know who Scott Bakula is, I don't know what to tell you. Go watch all of his stuff. He's in, like, everything. Yeah, like, anything sci-fi, you know, you will see him. Like, specifically any sci-fi on the sci-fi channel. <laughs> He's in Yeah. Are we talking about a good sci-fi channel or, like, whatever sci-fi went through for that, like, not not like the weird movies, like the good shows. Okay. Yeah. And then you have another James T. Kirk, played by Chris Pine, who is Matt's favorite captain. That's because if you're not familiar, they rebooted the series, and now we have new movies, and we have Chris Pine at the helm as James T. Kirk. 
And we're not going to talk about Star Trek Discovery because it's not out yet at the time of this recording. After that's, over, after that's done with, we'll probably do some other side of the wormhole for this episode, and we'll probably talk all about what we think about the new captains and that series in general. But for now, we're just going to stick with those. Um, my favorite things about the captains and the reason why we're talking about them specifically in their own episode is because when people talk about Star Trek, they talk about the captains first, usually. Like, who's your favorite captain? Or who's going to be the cap- if there if a new series comes up, what's the first question asked? Who's going to be the new captain? That was a big thing with the Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery. Were they going to have Worf come in as a captain? You know, were they going to bring something completely new? Because the captains are the cornerstone of the series and of, of the movies. So that's why we're going to talk about them. And Star Trek has done a really good job of making all of their captains different. I really don't think that any two captains are the same. Um, I very think they would hate each other. Yeah, a lot of the well, times. <laughs> Cisco and uh, Picard, Cisco hates Picard, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and even like there are even like stark differences between them too. So there's a reason why people are kind of drawn to different captains because there's kind of a captain out there for everyone to like. Now with you know six and going on prob- probably seven captains with Star Trek Discovery, there's captains out there for everyone, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Um, so as we go through this for the but why those, we're going to talk about the but why those for each captain. Um, I say each captain, but we're going to focus mainly on Picard, Kirk, Janeway, and Cisco because we did a poll and they were far and away the, the votes that we got for that. So we're going to focus mainly on them. And I didn't really like Star Trek Enterprise and I never finished it because I thought it was kind of boring. And I don't feel educated enough to talk about it. But if you want to come talk about it, where we have other side of the wormhole with Matt, where you can come educate us on why Captain Archer is your favorite. But he's definitely my least favorite. And uh, we also have a new fan but why those section of the website. So if you're listening right now and you have a very big testimony for why a captain is important to you, send it to us and we will put it up on the website and we'll talk to you about it. Um, Also, uh, who won that poll, Adrian? Picard, but I mean, I don't think it's a very fair assessment. My 300 retweets on Captain Sisko being the best captain during Star Trek Day begs to differ for that entire poll. Just saying. I'm going to go find like the Picard retweets on things. Who got a retweet today and that poll was like three weeks ago and I'm still getting retweets on it because people love Captain Sisko and I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) And you would love Captain Sisko if you finished the series. I'm telling you, you would. But you just said he's everything the opposite of who my favorite captain is. Yeah. And that's why he's so good because he's better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Definitely better than Kirk for sure. But like I said, like, I, I don't I don't like the I, I really I don't like to get into the whole you know what captain's better than the other one just because the reason why people like like I said the reason why people like their captains is because they find personal attachments for them and I don't want to discredit your personal attachment for Picard even though you're wrong uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll jump into it um, I also want to preface this by saying obviously I'm by the time this episode's released. I will be 24. I, I wasn't alive in the 60s. Kirk was not my first captain. So if we talk about him briefly and not as in-depth as the other captains, that's because, you know, I'm young. And don't think he's the best captain out there for, like, this progressive era that we're in. Um, but we're definitely going to give him his fair shake for sure. So Captain G- James T. Kirk, he is from... The original series that ran from 1966 to 1967 with only three seasons. So his popularity is 
crazy despite his lack of seasons. Yeah, um, I was about to say, how is he so popular but, if it only ran for an, one year? But the movies he was kept first. going after that, yeah. too. Yeah, You have and the movies first. going on. Yeah, and yeah. One, he was first, but the, you also have the movies going way past that 60s time gap. So he's kind of pervasive in everything. Yeah. And then the time period that he's mainly in, if you don't take into account like all the time travel stuff and all this other stuff that goes on in Star Trek, he's in the 23rd century, and he is captain of the USS Enterprise NCC 1701A. Um, I preface that because I, I say that because there's multiple Enterprises all throughout Star Trek, and just because he's captain of the Enterprise doesn't mean he's captain of the same Enterprise that say Picard is that we'll talk about later. Yeah, every and also everybody has a different ship too. Yeah. Like, personally, that they're attached to. So, like, the ships can be their own things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't, uh, I mean, Matt, don't, don't. The reason why people hate, like, the some, like, Star Trek purists don't like the new Star Trek movies because they keep blowing up the ships. And the ships are supposed to be, like, this sacred thing. And they blow up the ship in, like, every one of their movies. <laughs> yes. So that's why Star Trek purists don't, aren't super big fans of the J.J. Abrams and you know, Justin Lin uh, Star Treks, if you were wondering. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, so... I, just, I don't care when people, like, fantasize over, like, inanimate... Fantasize? Oh, yeah, or, like, we care so much about a ship. Yeah. Well, I think it's more, like, the, the, the role it plays in the mythology of Star Trek. Like, the ownership of a ship is super important to how captains become captains and how those captains act when they go onto different ships. So like So basically they took the whole entire code of pirates and they put it in space. Yes. Yes. So exactly. I don't even need to have this. I can talk about pirates and drink rum. Well, you're uh, not a, they, well they're not Ferengi. The Ferengi are pretty much the pirates. <laughs> but it, it's but it's 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 uh, nautical. All of it is navy based. Their ranks, the way they handle things on the ship, the way the ship is directed, it's all based on navy. Am I allowed to throw Jack Sparrow in there as my favorite No, captain? you're not. What about no. Captain Han Solo? I'm down. <laughs> all right. So, uh, <laughs> James C. Kirk, to answer Matt's original question, I was like, well, why is he so popular? Um, I think one of the main reasons he's popular is because he was the first. If you go back and watch the um, his docu- uh, William Shatner's documentary, The Captains, everyone always says, like, well, you were the first one to do it. You know, we had to like think of different ways to do it. You didn't have anything to go on. That's why, you know, your version of the captain was so like iconic because he was the first and he had like this new thing to do. You know, if you it's e- not like not easier for Picard to or not it's it's not easier for for Patrick Stewart to come up with the character he came up with, but it is easier for him to have like a baseline, okay, like okay, well, I don't want to be like that. You know what I mean? So, for him to just do what he did and as eccentric and crazy as it is at times, it definitely we wouldn't be here without um, William Shatner's portrayal of James T. Kirk. And James T. Kirk himself is, I would say, I don't know where I would put him like on a moral like a moral spectrum, like code spectrum thing. Like uh, D and D, like a D and D morality. Yeah, I don't know where I would put him. I would I will say that he is like very de- decisive in his moral code. Like he doesn't like to break that, even if. There is, you know, no win scenarios. I mean, he's famous for the Kobayashi Naru, um, which the Kobayashi Naru is like a basically no win, no win scenario where they make the captain pick between winning, like basically between like saving lives or like killing their their crew. Basically, a no win scenario. And Kirk is so 
sticks to his moral code so much of the need to protect life and to do what he thinks is right that he cheated like he put in like a code to cheat the Kobayashi Naru and to basically save everybody and win win the uh win the simulation um so that's kind of like how he runs his ship like he's very um he's a man of action he likes to protect life he likes to be in the scenes he is definitely like the adventurer of all of the captains that we're going to talk about today like when he beams down he doesn't say hey you know go beam down he's like hey who's coming with me to come beam down and you know discover this or to go defend these people or to go overthrow these tyrants because he hates tyrants he doesn't like people abusing power and things like that so he's very moral morally strong but also doesn't it comes with kind of some bad stuff i don't know if this is just kind of like we were me and kate were talking about this before we recorded today like i don't know if him being like a womanizer in the show is because william shatner was like that in the 60s or just because people in the 60s wanted to see that kind of stuff. But he has sex with a lot of chicks. Yeah. A lot of alien chicks. It's also really hard to, like... Because it's, it's also, like, not necessarily just the amount of sex he has, like, as a womanizer, I guess. It's also, like, there's a lot of misogynistic stuff that he does to, like, yeah. the women on the ship. Um, but then again, it's also hard, like, it is a product of its time and it was the 60s. So yeah. it's hard to say, like, whether or not that was... Shatner bringing that if it was written in or if it was just like a rel- a part of its time. I personally have like this idealized of Roddenberry that I don't believe he would like purposely do that but then again I have like an idealized version of Ro- Roddenberry and the 60s were a bad time for a lot of people so. I thought people were just having sex all the time in the 60s. This is very true. <laughs> the hippies yeah. were and just he did, banging he... it out on yards. That was the 70s. And we have to give Kirk credit or Roddenberry credit for despite like having him Kirk do all this, you know, stuff. He did have the first interracial kiss on TV, which, which, you know, cause he went back and listened to episode four, which we talked at depth about. Yeah. So you do have some good, good things there. Um, what do you think about Kirk, Kate? I, out of the entire original series, Uhura and Spock stick out to me more than Kirk does. Um, and even more uh, than any of the other characters. And I think most of that is just because I, I identified with them more than I identified with Kirk. But so far as Kirk himself, there's just a lot of icky stuff that he does. <laughs> is just a lot in his interaction with other with, with alien life forms and other beings. Um, that, 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 that's my only thing with him. Um, but what I like do... What? Huh? Like what? So like every captain goes back on the whole don't interact with people <laughs> like don't interact like the the feder the, fe- the federation code is like you you don't interact with the things around you when you go to a new place because that just messes things up but the entire crux of star trek is people going into these places and messing things up and fixing them and you know that types of stuff but i just thought there were way more relationships that were happening and i, I honestly think it was the amount of sex he was happening having with these aliens <laughs> That yeah. kind of, like I like I just it didn't make sense for me, especially because he was so decisive when it came to his code. Like I also believe that the Kobayashi Naru that goes down in one of the best captain maneuvers of like all time. Like overall, like that is known even if like in the Star Trek world, even if you haven't watched the original series, that type of tactics by any means keeping your moral compass. To where you have dedicated to it like that to me I, I appreciate that about him 
I, I really, really do. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think he's, I think he's, a, I think he's a good captain. I can appreciate what, like, I like. I will say, so I'll say this. I, I like the Captain Kirk in the movies more than I like the Captain Kirk in the TV shows. Um, I don't know if that's just because he's older um, and, like, the stories are just different. They're more about, yeah. like, the adventure and, you know, the unknown rather than him, uh, you know, just being eccentric and, like, throwing himself at his enemies to, like, fight them. <laughs> Literally uh, throwing himself at Literally his throwing himself to to fight people like some Batman, like some a- Adam West Batman type fighting going on there. I will uh, say this in the movies, he's extremely empathetic. Like the type of relationship building that you have in the movies is something I think Kirk in the series is missing. Yeah. And and yeah. I, I can definitely appreciate movie Kirk over series Kirk. Yeah, I, th- I think he's great. I think the Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru is great to go back and watch. So for each of these captains, we're going to talk about an episode to go back and kind of find out. If you have to go back and watch one episode of each series to kind of find out what kind of captain these captains are. But I also think Battle of Terror Season 1, Episode 8 is really, really good because you can kind of see how kind of valiant and, you know, he's kind of like a knight in space, I, I, I see a lot. Like, he wants to defend everything no matter if it goes against the you know the prime directive or if he has to hump his way out of situations (laughs) did you just say hump his way out of situations yeah that's how i I started to see captain kirk in in the series but that's a great one um or just go watch any of the movies really that have shatner in it uh because you kind of see how much he's revered even if you go back to the other like the crossover movie with jean-luc picard and there's an episode a crossover episode not a crossover episode they kind of like put them into the original series in deep space nine they kind of have like, like a time travel thing and even captain benjamin cisco is like enamored with with William Shatner, like he's like a giddy kid because like this is the captain that everyone models themselves after uh, in the Federation. Like you have to be as good as James D. Kirk uh, and, and and be that good. So I know you talked about how these people kind of like, like basically he said he was the first one, so he had nothing to base himself off of. Do they get to choose their names for this as well? And do they stand for anything or is it just like generic? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think. They just had the names already. Okay. Actually, technically, Kirk isn't the first. Pike is, right? Yeah. Technically, if you go back far enough, um, Pike is kind of your first captain for sure. But I think they just had the names. I don't think I have ever heard of anyone picking their name for their captain. Okay. Because I know you said that like they get to like kind of they took these captains and the person who played that kind of kind of embodied the role that they want and how their captain had their took on the personality yeah. that they chose of. So I didn't know if they like picked a certain name. That is something play. that I, I actually would kind of want to know. I don't. I haven't seen um, so much of the actor who I, I know you said his name, but I forgot it already. Uh, Cisco Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. most his stuff outside of that. Um, I've, you know, I've seen Shatner, I've seen Shatner not in any character, I've seen, um, Patrick Stewart not in any character, as well as in his other roles, same with, uh, Janaway, with, with Melgru and, and Bakula, or Bakula? Bakula. Bakula, there you go. I'm pretty sure it's Bakula. Like, I feel like when I have seen them in other stuff and seen them outside, like, obviously not speaking for Avery, Avery Brooks, but they kind of embody their captains, like overall in the other roles that they play and 
how they act when they give interviews and like in the glimpses that you see into their lives i really feel them embodying their captains beyond the show so i want i i would want to know like beyond the names like how much of their captain did they get to decide yeah if that makes sense yeah I would imagine they would have a, a pretty a pretty good say in it. I think Shatner, I think, had some say in the direction that they took him. I think that's why he was so happy to do the role, because they kind of let him, you know, go whichever way he wanted with it. And he went really dramatic. So they liked it, so they went with it. Speaking of um, dramatic, can you transition us with your best Shatner impression? We are going to go to Captain Jean-Luc Picard. And because I don't want to talk about Jean-Luc Picard, not that I don't like Jean-Luc Picard, I've seen, that was my first Star Trek, I, I watch every episode of The Next Generation multiple times, I love The Next Generation, I mean, some of my favorite characters in Deep Space Nine come from The Next Generation, so I love it, but I'm going to let Kate talk about Patrick Stewart because it's her favorite, and I don't want to step on her toes, so you can have the chair back while you talk about Thank your you, favorite. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm going to be talking about Jean-Luc Picard, and he was part of The Next Generation, He, um, which went from 1987 to 1994, and this was the last series that Roddenberry had his hand in. Roddenberry died in 93, I believe, and his time period is the 24th century, and he is captain of the USS Enterprise, NCC-1701C, NCC-1701D, and NCC-1701E. One of the main things when it comes to Star Trek is you think of science and you think of technology and you think of how Star Trek all the way from in, from the 60s to today has influenced astronauts, has influenced uh, creation of new technologies. When you listen to creators of new technologies, they often credit Star Trek. So the importance of science in Star Trek is always highlighted. One of the really good, re- one of the really big reasons why I love Picard is he focuses on not only the sciences, but he also focuses on the arts. Um, or his thought process is highly informed by philosophers, highly informed by mythology, highly informed in all the lessons that he's read about. So Picard, if you were going to place him as somebody, he where Kirk is the adventurer, Picard is very much the scholar. And Picard is somebody who does not take action without seeing about uh, without trying to see all sides of the matter and he's somebody who if the facts say that it is this way he will not go against the facts the truth to him is above all importance but his big love of philosophy is the reason why he doesn't he doesn't follow blindly he questions to find the truth when it comes to leading a ship leading people and leading somebody into war you need to know how people act and for picard knowing the arts is one of the biggest way to, ways to do that um one of his other seminal episodes and ideas is that he sees humanity in everything so you can be doing even when somebody is doing something wrong he tries to understand why they're doing that and he'll push back against it if he needs to but this the biggest thing comes into play is when uh, the Federation is trying to take Data away because Data is an android and they believe he is property. And Picard ends up coming to coming to his defense and pretty it's, it's Data's real boy episode. Picard comes in and explains how Data is not a piece of equipment on the ship, but in many ways his cold robotic heart is the soul of the ship. 
And this is also really big, a really big turning point for Data's character, where he starts to see and chart, starts to reenact a lot of the human qualities that he sees around him. He also has really deep and disturbingly sad episodes. Like a whole bunch of sad things happen to Picard over and over again. Yeah. He is very, he's a very depressing man. Like, he, he deals with grief very, very well, because some messed up stuff happens to him. Exactly. Like, Picard has died, and he's lived an entire life in 20 minutes. So, essentially, he encounters this blinking light, it knocks him out, and while everybody's trying to wake him up, he's living 40 years of a life on a planet and he experiences his loved ones dying and the planet's destruction and then he wakes up and it was all a lie but he remembers every single bit of it and you get this recurring character i'm gonna call it of the resican flute because it's what he played in that other life and it comes up throughout the series and when it comes up he's super sad and you can tell that it changes how he's feeling because he remembers that other life that he led with children and a wife because that's not his life. He's a captain and he's a captain above everything else, which means he doesn't have that life. On top of that, he also has an internal battle with the Borg, which I would think most of the fandom agrees is probably one of the best villains in Star Trek. Um, they float around and they assimilate everything. Yeah, so he becomes Lacutus. So he's assimilated by an entity that pretty much eats worlds and destroys people. And before that happens, he has this battle within himself where Patrick Stewart is acting as Jean-Luc Picard, but also acting as Lacutus and is fighting that the entire time. And it's so freaking deep. And it's one of those moments where you realize just how tormented Picard is and the amount of strength that he has, because no matter what happens, and we'll see it in my very last point, he doesn't stop. He just keeps pushing through things, which is one of the things I really like about him. He's also learned, and through these processes of dying, He's also learned to not have any regret because there's an episode where uh, Q lets him go back to stop the moment where he has an artificial heart. So he ends up getting stabbed in the heart in a bar fight. And that that path is what leads him to be the, be the Picard we know. And Q says, well, this artificial heart does nothing but cause, cause grief and stress in your life. You can go back and change that. So Q, which is the omnipotent being in The Next Generation, I believe, Deep Space Nine as well. Say it again, sorry. Q? He's yeah. in Deep Space Nine as well? Yeah, he's in, I don't know if he's in the Inter in Star Trek Enterprise, but he's in all of okay. the main Star, like the ones, you know, he's in Next Generation, he's in Deep Space Nine, he's also in Voyager for sure. Okay. And so he gives him... He's this all-powerful, omnipotent being, pretty much a god, and he gives Picard the ability to go back and change his path and not have that stab in the heart. And so Picard chooses to avoid that, and he lives a regular life. He avoids all danger, avoids all risk, and he just kind of fades into complacency and mediocrity. And that's it. And so at it end, the episode ends with, 
Picard accepting that his biggest weakness is also his biggest strength. And he ends up living through getting stabbed in the heart again and redoing that entire part of his life. Also, when it comes to battle, Jean-Luc Picard cleared an entire ship of terrorists by himself. I know I said he was a scholar, but he is more than well equipped to handle hand-to-hand combat. Um, he also, I, and I, I know that Kirk, Kirk is specifically told that he cannot be taught the Vulcan nerve pinch. Picard was taught taught the Vulcan nerve pinch, and he does it in that episode, and apparently people went crazy. I don't know if any of the other captains know it, um, but that was something that was, like, super important to, um, like, the ending series of fights in that episode. And then on top of that, when it comes to his battle strategies, he is going to, he will usually prioritize the safety of his ship over everything and the shape, the safety of his people, trying to make it out with the least casualties, kind of similar to Kirk. Um, but he will, I wouldn't say that he would cheat. Like, I, I don't think that type of thing goes to him. Like, he's very, he, he's going to play it as tight to the chest as he can. And he's not going to betray and he's not going to lie because the truth to him is everything. And that does get into some trouble, but it is something that he upholds when it comes, when he needs to. He's also, like, this is, Picard is also the character where Roddenberry's atheism really comes into play. There is an episode called Who Watches the Watchers, and it's probably one of my favorites, where they come down to a proto-Vulcan civilization uh, the Mintakins, and they end up seeing Picard, and they call him the Picard, and he becomes God. And then you get this monologue where he talks about the evils of religion and how it's a detriment to society and how they had gotten past that. And by him assuming this role of God, he has put them back and ruined their intelligence and their progression. And um, up until this point, you don't get a lot of that and you don't get Roddenberry's atheism really up front. He never really talks about it, but he also doesn't have a lot of overt religious tones like you would often expect. Like it's not Battlestar Galactica, um, which is like all religion. Um, And in the original series, you do get some like um, some religious stuff, but it's the 60s and that I believe Shatner actually put in when Kirk says things. but for Picard, it's this really strong stance. And for him, he sees religion as a lie and he sees believing in a deity as a lie. And that goes back to his strong assurance that it is the truth above all else. And this is also the reason why Wesley Crusher ends up leaving the series because Wesley is involved in maneuvers that gets another ensign killed. And... Picard finds out about this and instead of sweeping it under the rug or just accepting an apology from Wesley, he confronts him, gives him a speech about the truth and says, either you tell them or I do. One way I'll respect you, one way I won't. And so you don't lie to Picard. And in his sense, with all this being said, his weakness is probably his pride. Um, Overall, he tend, once he gets behind an idea, he won't let it go. He's very much a dog with a ball. Like he will keep going at it and going at it. And his his need to maintain that truth and that path 
is so strong that it sometimes gets them in trouble and it happens in um, the movie first contact when he wants to keep going at the borg and not sacrifice his ship and he said and he has this and he has at first contract on first contact he has this history of the borg of going through the assimilation process and seeing the damage that they've done and he says they invade our space and we fall back they assimilate entire worlds and we fall back not again and he wants to keep pushing ultimately he realizes that this need to win over the borg is second to the need to abandon the ship and let itself destruct to save the people on it um, which is ultimately what he does end up doing but his pride almost costs him that now where all of this truth and pride and constant tenacity and push comes in is or is the two episodes that I'm going to tell you to go watch if you want to know Picard and it's Chain of Command 1 and 2 season 6 episode 11 and 12 and this is the moment for me where it solidified that one Patrick Stewart is a phenomenal actor and two Picard is unwavering so Picard is captured by the Cardassians and they if you've ever read 1984 the torture tactics is this the guy in 1984 holds up four fingers and he tells the other person to say that there are five and so what the Cardassians do is they have Picard naked in a chamber with four lights in front of him beaming down on his face and he is tortured every time he says that there are four lights and they want him to say that there are five lights and Patrick Stewart actually demanded that he record all of those scenes on a closed set fully naked so he could feel the fear and pain that Picard would have been feeling in those moments and he acts his ass off and he never says five but at the end there's this reveal that had they not rescued him he was so close to giving in because he had actually started lying because he had started to believe that there were he was actually seeing five lights but he knew there were four and he kept pushing on four but he was so close to like he had already mentally broken he just needed to say it and he wasn't saying it um these episodes also fall to the importance that his crew places on him because the federation have another captain come in and man the enterprise while he's gone and Riker, his number one absolutely refuses to do what this new captain is saying because it is not how picard has led them and it's not what he sees as the right way of leading them yeah, he's um, also a jerk. Yes, and he is a dick. Yeah, he is a, he is a dick, but <laughs> but he's a pragmatic dick because he wants to do everything by Federation standards and only go by what the Federation is saying versus doing the right thing and looking for the truth like Picard would. Yeah. I I don't I don't really have anything to add because that's exactly what I feel. I think um, out of all of the captains, uh, Jean-Luc Picard is far and away the best actor yeah. out of all of them, I would say. Matt, yeah. any thoughts on all the stuff you just heard? Um, I'm sure a lot of it was new to you. Well, I mean, new, but I could see the thing. I mean, one, they did psychology studies where they would basically tell people to they would plant somebody to say a different color, different number, correct answer, and they'd see how long it took before everybody gave in. 
Can you speak a little, uh, just speak a little louder? Oh, no. Um, <clears throat> so they used to do psychology studies with that, where basically they would plant somebody in the classroom to say the different colors, a different number, and they would see how long it took the eight children to basically give in on whether they would say correct it, and they found out that basically it, one, it was pretty crazy on how fast people actually give in and how much they actually changed their actual answers, and then to the point where people would actually believe that the answer, you know, is green when the actual color is red or there was five, like you said, instead of four. So it's interesting how long you put out, but just the fact that they've done studies like that to look at different types of psychological, I guess, even breakdowns or just the mentality of people of following basically either a crowd or something. Yeah. I don't know how that's relevant to a card, but that's what I was well, thinking. I think it's relevant because it shows that, like, that process that... Patrick Stewart was putting himself through in order to like give us this like these two episodes are the best acted episodes out of anything that Star Trek has ever put out <laughs> like hands down um is because I I mean I wouldn't doubt it if he didn't do his homework and like actually looked at the type of psychological breakdown that happened and there's basically an entire uh philosophy or basically i think it's philosophy but this kind of thing of the simulation of your entire life is technically in a matrix and where you're living and you might actually be dreaming anyways when you talked about how he lives an entire life in 20 minutes oh yeah yeah so basically boil it down to there's three basic truths of basically that we live in a matrix or we live in a basically or we don't or that we live Basically, damn it, I can't remember the three. Oh, it's it's um, the it's the theory of forms. I think it's Aristotle, where the idea is, is is that you're in a cave, and there's a fire, and each so you have the physical object, you have the shadow of the object, and you have the perceived object. Correct, but they also have and, it based out to an actual simulation of basically with like within the where they got the premise of the actual movie the matrix yeah yeah no that's so what i'm saying like the, the, you, the theory of the, the theory yeah of form, the thing perfect the form, form but the way that they if you take it to there you basically either you living either you are in a simulation or basically somebody is controlling the simulation or neither true but one of the three has to has to be true yes yeah none Any of that probably has him? to go with <laughs> actual star trek at all but what <laughs> i was thinking of i guess more because you talked about basically this the scholar part of him and whatnot, and basically how they, I guess, embrace this philosophy and psychology and other types of stuff that they've done throughout time and basically put it within the show that he portrays. You know, now that you say that, like, having gone through grad school, I kind of want to go back and rewatch The Next Generation and see how many of those things I can actually see playing out in Picard. Like, actual, like, scholarly concepts or theoretical concepts actually playing in the series. That might be an interesting watch through. Yeah, there's a bunch. Yeah, there's a whole bunch for sure. I always do find it funny like that he lives in the 24th century, but they still only talk about like actor, like authors and philosophers yeah. that we know about when there's literally like 300 of 300 years of like missing stuff that they could have just like made up. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, even if you think, well, yeah. if you think I just think it's funny like name they, of you can't think of nobody. They couldn't well, make I mean, up one guy. Well, I mean, if you think today, can you yeah, name a philosopher you know. from even, like, maybe the 18th century? I can't. They could have talked about Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> I mean, in theory, well, yes. Well, they could, do have. Yeah, you they, could actually go through that. So they do have. Uh, Stephen Hawking is the only person to be on a Star Trek episode to play himself. Yeah. So that much is there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a hologram. Yeah. It was awesome. On, on the holodeck. All right. So, who's your favorite so far? 
Is Picard your favorite yet? Oh, no. I'm yeah. waiting to hear all of the uh, available choices. That sounds like a Picard answer. You sound like... <laughs> I know. You sound like Picard already. I, I, I do actually think that you would identify the most with Picard, just because of how he goes through I, things. Well, that was one of yeah, my questions, but apparently I got it knocked out and answered after the second captain. What do you mean? If, if you guys had to pick one of the captains oh. that embodied me, which one were you going to pick? And apparently that already got knocked out. It's because yeah, you're super Picard. smart, yeah. and that's why I'm with For you, because sure. you remind me of Picard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, my turn. Here we go. Um, I'm not going to be anywhere near as articulate as Kate, because I didn't write my honors thesis on... <laughs> Deep Space Nine. <laughs> All right. So Captain Benjamin Sisko, played by Avery Brooks. If you don't know who Avery Brooks is, it's okay. He didn't do a whole lot of stuff that's big. He was a uh, he before he did this, he was like real big at the choir and he's a jazz singer and stuff. So if you didn't know him before this, it's completely fine. He kinda like went back to his like hometown and kind of just plays piano all day and plays jazz stuff. Uh if you want to see like what his life is like just go watch the captain's documentary you can kind of see how he's doing in life uh he's a little crazy <laughs> a little bit um so captain benjamin cisco he is in the deep space nine series that ran from 1993 to 1999 this series kind of had this is like the first series without roddenberry at all like he didn't really have too much input on the transition of the show he had some initial input but then like kate said he passed away so um this is the first thing and you kind of you can kind of feel it in the series and kind of how this captain takes form compared to picard um they are in the 24th century so this is basically kind of concurrent with the events of of the next generation and he is captain of a space station deep space nine and he also goes off in the USS Defiant, which is like this super special, you know, tactical ship that has like That's a, just a badass name kind too. of stuff. But yeah, I love it. I love it so much. It's my favorite ship name. It's it's so great. Uh, so so why do I like Benjamin Sisko? Um, I think I'm all about character development. I love character development. I hate when characters say the same. I I love arcs and. You immediately get an arc with Captain Cisco because we don't see him as a captain first. Um, all these other guys, you, you kind of get them as captains. We don't really see what their life is before. We see, we first meet, our first episode um, or so, we get Captain Cisco as a commander and he meets Captain Picard and they don't, well, he doesn't like Jean Luc Picard because when. As Kate talked about before, when Picard was part of the Borg, he, as Locutus, Captain Picard destroyed a ship that his wife was on, and Benjamin Sisko does not like Picard at all. And you can kind of see this in that episode, and kind of like his character as a whole, really is the inversion of Picard. Basically, everything you, everything Kate said about Jean-Luc Picard, Sisko is almost the polar opposite. And he's not a scholar. Uh, <laughs> well he's not a, i mean not that he's not a scholar he's a captain like he's he's got to be smart uh but they're, they're just different they just they're different i'll, I'll say the, the leadership of the captains are completely different so you can see this between kate mentioned q 
earlier and his Picard's the way Picard d- deals with Q and the way Cisco deals with Q is completely different. Um, Cisco didn't take no take no mess from Q. Like he literally punched Q in the face. And there's a scene where he's like, "Well, Picard didn't punch me." He's like, "Well, I'm not Picard." <laughs> and if that doesn't like give you a sense of like how Cisco is, I don't know what I does. Have to watch this um, now. And another, it's so good. He's just such a good captain. And another example is the example of basically I don't want to give you too much of, of the thing, but the prophets he deals with, he deals like with this um, not primitive but just less advanced civilization, and they believe in these prophets. And at the start of the show, he doesn't really believe them, but he sees stuff a lot and like nothing can really explain it then he starts to lean he not not accept the prophet religion but understand that those people the why those people believe what they believe because of like how powerful like these entities are and things like that where picard would have just dismissed the prophets not if he saw them because he does encounter like a if, god force and disproves the god's I, god force when he meets them i don't I don't think I don't think Picard would have been able to go through being possessed by a prophet like Cisco would. I think Picard would have tried to find like a rational explanation for it because we don't really see anything like what oh, Cisco went through okay. in the Next Generation in terms of like these entities okay. uh, and things like that. Because he does do like some dismissal of some you know false some false gods, but like these prophet things are really really weird and like possess people and it's really really weird um and where where picard is kind of like more to himself like he wants to go play his flute it's in because his room. it reminds him um, of his past life adrian <laughs> well he we'll talk about some of uh some of the stuff that cisco had to go through in past life stuff uh but I think part of why he why Cisco was so openly social with his crew is I think one because he's on a space station with like thousands and thousands of different species and stuff like that so he's like forced to interact with different people so he's very open with his crew like he takes them to uh baseball games on the holodeck like he plays cards with them you know he goes to the bars with them like it's fine he's a homie um Do they actually he's a good dude him? and I think that's just yeah, no, yeah, of course they do. Uh, because he's because of some stuff we're gonna ma- mention later. I think he's also like the everyman. If we and I, and by that I mean I think he's what a captain would be if um, an everyday person like was a captain. Like the stuff that he's an every me, I guess. Because I don't want to speak for everybody, but if I was a captain, that's how I I would. I would I would carry myself like the situations that he goes through between like the moral dilemmas and stuff that he has to go through. He handles them in a way that I think everybody would probably make those kind of decisions where Picard is like the virtuous like you want to be Picard. But that's really, really hard. And most people aren't going to make the kind of decisions that Picard makes. Um, Cisco makes those kind of harder decisions and deals with the consequences in his own mind and what he has to deal with. I think part of this comes from him being kind of an emotional guy. Like he yells a lot. Like there's like, um, super cuts like on YouTube of him just yelling because he has a pretty short temper. Um, sometimes that serves him good. Like he, he has a kind of pers- personality that intimidates Worf, like outwardly, like they outwardly say that in the show that he, that captain Cisco, this human dude intimidates Worf with, how kind of a, a big personality ask, he you is. You mentioned there are a lot uh, of Klingon. Like I, I would assume that like in order to have that many Klingon integrated into the show, they would have to respect 
Cisco and like no matter how much like yeah Picard never really has Klingon respect he has Worf's respect but he doesn't have Klingon yeah. respect no yeah he he definitely has Klingon there's like an episode where he has to go like undercover and he he slaps the heck out of um there's other words <laughs> I wanted to use there but he slaps like Worf like in front of people and like he really embraces that Klingon perspective and I th- and that's another reason why I like him so much is because he's so open to perspective and he's open to different ways of looking at things. Again, I think that comes from having to deal with Klingons, having to deal with Romulans, having to deal with um, Cardassians, having to deal with Ferengi like on a normal basis. I don't he's not pigeonholed into just thinking about how the Federation thinks. He's completely all right with breaking prime directive when it has to be broken and things like that. Um, I mean, because and he if you haven't, you've, we kind of said at the beginning, he's uh, a black man and we don't have a black captain up until this point. So when he goes back in time in one of one of my favorite episodes, not the episode I would say go back and watch to kind of see what, like, like as a captain, but go back to watch to kind of um, get the Star Trek feels of like what Star Trek is trying to get across of, you know, everyone being equal and all of those good perspectives that we talked about in our Star Trek episode. And in Far Beyond the Stars, he goes back in time to the 50s and he plays, he's like living the life of this guy named Benny Russell. And he is a publisher, but he experiences all of like this overt racism and all of this crazy stuff. And that is like probably one of his best acted episodes because he just embodies he just embodies someone who couldn't comprehend the kind of stuff from some as a black man going back from the 24th century to the 1950s it he really embodies how crazy it would be to kind of like be told you can't do stuff or because be told like you can't uh just experiencing those injustices as a black man in that time i think he knocked it out of the park and when he comes back to his his reality he kind of embodies that Two and kind of really appreciates the everybody is one kind of mentality. Um, he's, I think, because of like those kind of injustices that he had to face, he's not afraid to fight like at all. Like I said, he punched Q in the face. Like he knows he's like this god because he's seen the stuff he can do. And he was like, because he puts him like into like this circle, and they're like, "Well, punch me, you know, you're not gonna punch me." And then he just punches him, and he's like. What? Why did you do that? Do you not know I could just kill everybody here if I wanted to? Um, he's not afraid to fight at all. I probably think he's the best fighter out of everybody that we're going to talk about. Um, I mean, he was captain of the Starfleet wrestling team in his academy days, you know. Um, and this, like, will to fight and will to just do justice sometimes goes goes against his own morals, and he's okay with that. Because he has to live with it at the end of the day. Um, you have to look at the episode I think that makes him a great captain is in the Pale Moonlight Season 6, Episode 19. And in this episode, first of all, it's a really well done episode. The way that they, they do it in terms of like starting with him doing a personal log and his story throughout it. But by the end of it, you know... By the end of, this, by the, end of the episode, he's like obstructed justice. He's been accomplice to murder he's like basically started a war but all for the sake of saving the alpha quadrant which is the quadrant that everybody lives in because he's trying to fend off these other super you know alien people from coming over from a completely different quadrant and he does all of this stuff in the name to save 
the Alpha Quadrant. And some of it, he says, even in his end monologue, that he's going to have to deal with it. He understands that, you know, he says, like, the his dad used to tell him that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, so he's going to have to, like, live in his own hell for all the stuff he did. But he knows it was in service to save the Alpha Quadrant and to save lives that deserve to be saved. Um, I'm rambling. Sorry. Do you have any questions? On a, sc- on a scale of 1 uh, to 10, how much do I match up with him with 10 being a, the most likely? Um, I'd probably say 5, I think. I think you can see things in Captain Cisco, but I think you could match him like emotionally, I think. Because he does, like, when stuff... When he doesn't agree with stuff, he says he does not agree with stuff, and he will do stuff. It He will say it yelling at whoever it is because he doesn't care. He knows what he he knows what he knows is right and he will like defend that. Um, you know, if it means punching it a god in the face. That is Matt. <laughs> uh, but he's definitely not he's definitely not a Picard. I think you would match up more with Picard or you would you would like what he does more because I think Picard it's more Picard is more like he's going to uh, he's going to spend the time getting all the facts before he tells you something versus like yeah. going and on his gut. Cisco is Yeah, like that, that's a difference. Yeah. Like Picard yeah. is never he he rarely goes on his like his gut. He rarely goes on what he knows is right. He has to do all the legwork to find out if it's right first. Like that inherent quality to make the decision yeah. at the moment, like that is something that Picard lacks. Yeah. And I think he he does stuff. He would do things that I don't think any of the other captains would do. Um, one, because I think um, Kirk's moral compass is too kind of straight and narrow. Um, even if it's different than Picard's, I think he would stick with his morals at the end of the day. And like Kate said, I think Picard is more um, gather the facts and then do something. Whereas Cisco, one, I think his threats were a little bit more immediate, I think, for the most of the entire series, basically. Like he's de- literally defending this wormhole from like these guys who would destroy Klingons um, before they come over and basically destroy the entire, you know, everything. Uh, so he's like, he's pretty decisive in his decisions because he kind of has to be. And I don't know if anyone could like make those decisions like he could. Uh, I give respect. Yeah. And I think his, he's just pretty, he's just pretty no nonsense. To be honest, I think he's the most badass captain. Like go look at, go YouTube captain Cisco, badass scenes. And he's just, will bluff you to death if he thinks that you know he will say whatever it whatever it takes to get you to back down or to stop your raids if it like his whole thing with the marquee is just ridiculous like he will do anything it takes to to protect the people he likes and loves and defend he literally brought people into wars to defend everybody it's it's crazy oh and I think you also get a different perspective because he's a dad through, like, the entire oh. series. He's a widower and he's a dad. So you get that perspective that I don't think we really have at really any point. I mean, you kind of get it when Picard's, like, la- like locked in his own mind. But he's a dad throughout this whole thing. And you kind of see him, uh, his son grow and see how he deals with his son and things like that. And I think that's a really unique perspective that we really don't get at any from any of the other captains. That is really true. And you get stuff with his, with his dad. Because Picard doesn't talk to his family at all. But... Uh, Cisco's a really big family man, so he goes back to New Orleans where his dad, where he's from, and hangs out with his dad in his, you know, um, you know, southern restaurant and things like that. So, 
I think I I like him so much because I'm I'm real big in the family. I would punch a god in the face if a god said I'm going to mess with you and kill all the people you love. Um, I don't want to have a conversation with that. I'm just going to punch that dude right in the face. So. And I think Picard is more I, his ship is his family. His crew is his family. Yeah. And that's they're the people he's chosen to be his family over what he was born into. Yeah. So Janaway. Janaway. I guess uh, in your best Cisco impersonation. You can yell into the mic. <laughs> I don't because that's all he, he he does a lot he does a lot of yelling and he's just it, it's just like that kind of he does that kind of like yelling and like that talking that like the I'm not mad I'm kind of disappointed kind of talk that really hurt and where it's like he's like it's like very straight into the point like it's it's just it's just very uh, bad and he drinks a little bit so it's one another probably reason why I like him like in the pale moonlight he's like drinking the whole time. Um, but Earl Grey I think is my transition looking at like a fifty year old when you're eighty. Yeah, but <laughs> Earl Grey tea is disgusting and <laughs> vodka is not, so Very true. I don't really have a great I don't really have a great uh transition because I think my transition my natural demeanor is Cisco, so we're just gonna go with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh so we'll run through Janeway a little bit. I will admit I've only seen about four seasons of the of Voyager, not because I don't like Star Trek, but just because I think it's kind of boring and it's not my favorite either. But Captain Catherine Janeway is a great captain, again, played by Kate Melgrew, who is, for those of you who do not know, she's red in Orange is the New Black. Basically picture red as a Starfleet captain, and that's basically <laughs> Captain Jane. Every time you think so that, I, guess I her... think of she's actually like a red alien. Oh, no. No, no. She's a ginger. No. She is ginger, yeah. So she's in the series Voyager, and this ran from 1995 to 2001. Same time frame as the previous two series, so she's in the 24th century, and she is captain of the USS Voyager, so she is the only female captain to lead a series up to this point. We really don't know what's happening with Star Trek Discovery or how that's going to all pan out if there's going to be a female lead throughout the entirety of it. But for this, for at the time of this recording, we're going to go with Captain Janeway as being the only captain to a female captain to lead a series. Um, and not to take anything away from her character, because I did say at the beginning that they're all different. I think if you had to compare her more closely to any of the captains, I think it'd be Kirk. Um... Not because of like her womanizing or anything like that, but just because of her uh, do do things her kind of own way kind of aspect of her character. I think some of this has to do with in the show, Matt. She they get like thrown into a wormhole, and they're seventy thousand light years away from the Alpha Quadrant. So basically, the whole um, show is a voyage uh, back to the um to the alpha quadrant so but like she's not afraid to go against the prime directive and like i said i think that some of that is part of like her being so far away and then like no one there's really no one else there to be like hey don't do that you can't do that because she's just by herself um and i think it gives a unique perspective because there she's the only really starfleet vessel out in this in the show really so you really don't have people coming in uh, so, like, Deep Space Nine, you get a lot of Federation talk in 
the next generation you have a lot of federation talk of course in the original series you do as well but this is just them so it's kind of a contain it's own contained version of the show and i think they really do it well one because captain janeway is pretty badass like i think she really does fall into that trend of just like badass boss women that we see kind of like with the buffy the vampire slayers and things like that during this time period because that's kind of where she kind of thrives um in that time period so you don't really get a weak meek woman you get someone who's going to kill your entire family and outsmart you and punch you in the face kind of thing and we also see her rise to admiral when it's all said and done so not only does she become captain but we see like her rise and how pertinent like the and how important the the voyage was and how good of a leader she is that she gets promoted to admiral which we really don't see anyone else get promoted to admiral until like the movies and stuff so we see her promotion like in the show which is really really cool and she only loses like 14% of her crew which i think is like the lowest <laughs> out of all of the captains so how many so she people took like a 70 it? year voyage uh i don't i think it was like because that is a really specific number, which means it should be an interesting percentage based on how many people are actually on the crew. Well, I think Kirk was like 43% of his people survived. So even like percentage-wise, like Kirk killed a lot of people, a lot of red Somehow, So basically 57% of his crew died? 50% of his crew died, yes. 57% of I, his that's, crew that's, died. <laughs> Yeah, throughout three seasons. Because he killed a lot of red shirts. Like, the, the whole red shirt joke is because of the original series of how many people just died in that series. How is he a good captain at all? Why would you want to actually be on that ship? I have a I better chance at a coin flip not the than I do of surviving his thing. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to yeah, be no. on his on his Enterprise. No, no, that's not the Enterprise I want to be a part of. De- de- definitely not. Yeah, so like basically they go 70 years throughout this entire show and they, they fight Borg, they fight you know all these new enemies and she doesn't lose very many people in that 70 year journey. Um, and then she does like some time, some time jump stuff to go back and help the Voyager get back faster and stuff. So she's, she's, she's a great captain, I think, for sure. Do you have any thoughts on the female perspective of her being a female captain, Kate? Because I don't want to speak to that without, you know, being a female. <laughs> no, I think it, I as well have not seen all of Voyager from what I did see. She definitely fits into that model of um, what is now kind of being dismantled of like the idea of the strong female character. Like she is no nonsense. She's not soft. She's very much somebody who will punch you in the face, at least from what I've seen. Like, she's not going to deal with any of that, and she's not going to be tender or vulnerable. Like, that is probably one of her biggest things. That's also one of the reasons why I liked her. Um, I haven't seen the entire series, so I can't speak to it more than just my initial reactions to her. Um, But she very, like, you had it right. Like, she pretty, at least from what I've seen, she does definitely fit into that that 90s trend of feminism um, into, like, the early 2000s. Well, I guess that's better. I'd rather be hit in the face by her and survive than basically, like, hey... Let's go on this adventure, and you're probably going to die. <laughs> Actually, not probably. There's a really good chance you're going to die. Yeah, there's definitely a seriously really good chance you're going to die. Um, <clears throat> you may not make it off the yeah, ship without she's... dying with those odds. Yeah, I think she, she does a really... Because she, she faces a lot of stuff, too. 
like I said, like she faces, you know, she has to deal with Q. She has to deal with the Marquis, which is kind of brought up in Deep Space Nine. She has to deal with um, some Borg, and she really doesn't have any support outside of just like her and her crew. Whereas, you know, Picard had the rest of the Federation. Yeah, they're not in a bubble. And if they died, no one would know because they're 70,000 light years away from like where they were when people like when they when they first disappeared. So basically, out of that 14%, we just know that's 14% confirmed dead and not necessarily how many people they just threw off the ship on this 70 year journey. <laughs> um, I don't know, Matt. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, oh, now that I think about it, Kate or Matt, like you said, they were talking about like changing the names. I think the original. I mean, and people can correct me and at me if I'm wrong on this, but the original name of this character, I think, was Nicole Janeway or like Nikki Janeway or something with like an N. But she suggested that they change it to Catherine. Because it's a strong ass name. So, For those of you who don't know, yeah. that's my full name. <laughs> she spells it different. And I, I imagine some of it has to do with her name being Kate. But yeah. So yeah, there is someone who did change their name. So, ha ha. You were right on the money there. I think Janeway is just a good name in general. Yeah, that is definitely right. Yeah, um, yeah, and she kind of like tells uh, Kirk what or Picard what to do in in Star Trek Nemesis because like that's where she is an admiral. If you guys can remember back that yep. far, like she outpaces. Not that like Picard ever wanted. I don't think Picard ever wanted to be an admiral anyway. Um, but you know, Janeway outpaces all of the characters we've talked about to be an admiral and tell that bald headed dude to go philosophize. With the Romulans. I will say this, though. Picard actively does not try to go past Captain. Like, he wants to stay yeah. Captain. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's why I said he, he, he's not the, the Captain type. I don't think any of these people other than Janeway are anyone who wants to be Admiral. Yeah. I think they like the action too much. That, that is, I mean, yeah. she spent seven, 70 years on a ship. I don't think she, want, <laughs> I don't think she <laughs> wants to. Yeah, she doesn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Um... And we can, I mean, I can't really speak to Jonathan Archer at all, Captain Jonathan Archer, just because. It's a good name. I just didn't. It is a good name. I will say, I will say that they, he is also in a, a unique position because chronologically his series takes place before. Um, everything. W- yeah, before everything and in the, in the 22nd century. So, like chronologically he is the first captain so the stuff they do is a little bit different but i think it's just weird looking at it because like all of the production values are a lot higher then you have to go like watch that compared to like the original series and it's just weird and i don't think the cast is like very very likable if you're new to star trek if you've never watched an episode if you and you don't and you actually want to get the whole stories and come into this come into the trekker fandom um, start from the beginning. Start from the beginning and work your way up. That's how that's I would, how I see it. So it's just like the Phantom Menace or you can of Star skip, Trek? Or you can skip the original series, which is what a lot of people tend to do. I would just start with The Next Generation and just watch the original series movies if you this is your first thing in Star Trek ever. I don't think... It's like telling someone to go watch The Phantom Menace and then... Oh, yeah. That's what expect- I just said! <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm I didn't know. I didn't know if you heard me. I, I was just like, everybody yeah, kept talking. No. I was like, oh, he's stealing your ideas. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I completely agree with you. Go watch the next generation and then go from there. I think. 
Or just start with Deep Space Nine. Literally, so the way you, you said that kind and of a, portrayed that in the way the series set up, it literally sounds like they just said, oh, let's just do a Phantom Menace. And it also came chronologically in the time yeah, period actually yeah, matches yeah. up with that as well. Yeah, I think there was this fatigue because if you look at it, they go from basically like 1987 to 2005 yeah. straight. Like there's no breaks. Like you're going, yeah, like you're just going straight through. And they probably had probably had a lot of fatigue. Probably why they're bringing back Star Trek Discovery now. There, I guess they're hoping that with the new movies that people are interested enough to go watch another Star Trek series. I'm interested. In, I'm gonna. I'm excited. I'm, gonna be watching I'm it. super I'm, hyped. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love it because this is, you know. Maybe this is where you get your first start, since this is taking place before the original series, technically. So maybe they're just trying to, like, phase out Enterprise <laughs> and, like, make you start there. Um, so in this last little bit, we can talk about James T. Kirk again, but the Chris Pine version. Who is very different than Shatner Kirk. Yeah, very different. That's all I want to know. Because, I just want to know the differences. Yeah, I mean, it's chronologically just different time frames, so they just grew up to be completely different people. I like this James T. Kirk better. Yep. Because you get all of the cool stuff of why James T. Kirk is cool without all of the uh, misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, why do you Why do you like James T. Kirk? I like Chris Matt. Pine. Okay. Well, why do you like Chris oh. Pine's Kirk? Because I like Chris Pine. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, that's. I guess that answers. No, that. I, uh, I. I mean, I like. I guess this one seems more because I think they do seem to be. I guess they do play like adventurous and everything else. I know growing up with some of the shows, it seemed to be more of a like portrayed. I guess almost like a drama type thing. Most of the scenes, the scenes basically yeah. took place on a ship, the whole entire time with a lot of dialogue. So obviously, as a kid, it's like, oh, this is cool. I guess nothing happens, but. This, they kind of revamped it to be more, I guess, with a faster type pace. I haven't seen the third one, which I think seemed like from what the I've ever... The fastest pace Yeah, ever. from what I've read and everything <laughs> it's been told, it's got... It, maybe the pace got a little too fast. <laughs> but I do like what they... Was it Fast and Furious? I don't know. I, I still need to see it. I've thought about it, it but was, I was... It wasn't that... Huh? It wasn't that good. Yeah. It wasn't that yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I did like the, how they kind of, it kind of moved it up to basically another time, I guess, another generation to see, and I guess I just like the pace of the movies that they go, and they actually do things, rather than sit on a ship and talk over and over again. That's yeah. fair. You probably like Deep Space Nine more than Next Generation yeah. then. Yeah, cause yeah, no, I mean, Next the Next Generation, because, I mean, that's what my family watched, or something, part of yeah. Next Generation, and sometimes when you try to watch it, I'm like... So they've had 30 minutes, and they've literally just shown this scene of this captain. He kind of spun in his chair twice. They've had... Playing a flute. (laughs) It has meaning! (laughs) (laughs) No, I was going to go back. All right, so let's let's wrap this... Just to speak to Matt's point, I did not get into Next Generation until I was an adult. So when I watched it for my thesis was the first time I actually sat down and watched my mom. And I guess if I'm going to a movie, I'd definitely rather see that than sit through pay $30 to go to sit through a drama. Which makes sense why the ships explode. Well, we don't we don't Very need to Michael Bay so. it up, per se, but... But, but they yes. do explode. <laughs> yes. I don't know. There's an action sequence in in this new one that I'm like... When I saw it in the theater, I was like, man, I'm never going to experience it like this ever in my life because of all the surround sound. It was just really, really cool and really, really... I never thought I wanted Beastie Boys in Star Trek, and after seeing that scene, I really want it for the rest of time. 
It's really, really good. Don't shake your head. It's 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 pretty dope. It's on Hulu. Go watch it. Uh, okay, so to wrap this up, because we are longer than I thought we were going to go, and I think that just happens because these captains are, yeah. To probably, be honest. Uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> uh, so with Star Trek Discovery coming out um, before the time of this recording, by the time this comes out, it'll already be out. And we can give initial thoughts about what it's like then. But what do you ex- from right now, like, what do you expect from Star Trek Discovery, Kate? Um, what do you want from, like, the new captain? Or do you care if they do a captain? Like, do you care if it's just, like, they focus on a commander, like it seems like they're going to do? Or what? What's, what's so I don't care who the character focus is. I just want that character to be good. Um, and it makes me excited because I really love Michelle Yeoh, and I think she is a phenomenal actress. And same thing with Sonequa Martin-Green, who is Sasha in The Walking Dead. And I think that they both have the ability to hold scenes on their own. And... I think it's going to be more about exploration, I'm hoping, at least from the, the trailer I've seen and some of the stuff I've read. It looks like more of an explanation, exploration adventure narrative than what we just talked about, all the drama of a spaceship. That being said, Lucius Malfoy, the bad guy from The Patriot, is the captain, so I'm expect uh, Jason Isaacs, so I'm expecting him to be a little bit of a dick, because that's kind of the character he always plays. Um, so... We talking about Mel Gibson's Patriot? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that movie was so long ago that I had to that like. That movie's for... so good. I was. It's... That's fine. I yeah. just know that's like movie's almost fifteen years old. Yeah. No. But he, <laughs> that Jason Isaac's character is like the perfect villain in that movie. Um. But yeah. So I think it. I hope it's not focused on the captain, just because of all of like my residual anger from everything I've seen Jason Isaacs in previously. I don't think I could connect with him. Yeah. Um, Matt, are you even going to watch Star Trek Discovery? Well, one, I don't have TV, so I don't know exactly going from there. Yeah, we'll have to stream it on wherever I can find it. <laughs> but Hey, you can stream it on CBS's streaming service. Isn't that where yeah, they're putting it to or something like that? So. Yeah. God, that's another episode for another time. <laughs> Suck it, CBS streaming service. If you really want Suck me to. it, all streaming and services Disney. at this point. Yeah, but CBS has yeah. the worst because they refuse to put it on anything else except their service. Their freaking website, and they only put six episodes. They will not put it on yeah, anything else. Anyways, um, I, I I don't know if I'll turn tune into it. I know I will go watch the third Star Trek eventually. That is on the list of doing things. After we watch 70 hours of CW-verse. <laughs> yes, that is on the list of things. That is just one of the movies I don't know why at the time just never saw, but... I think been, I complained about it too much. Been on the list to go see it. That might have been it as well. I think that's what it was. I think every time the trailer came on, I like complained, and I think I kind of ruined it for. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Kate will like it, but I, I don't think <laughs> it's it's. I think it's a Star Trek you want, Matt. I think. But as far as the show, um, I don't really know any of the characters you watch. I'm just not for some reason. I'm just not that big into following shows as much anymore on TV. I'm just. I don't know. I'm not that excited for it, I guess. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, for reference, though, is in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She's the the main, like, uh, you, teacher. You want to give, like, shows that are, like, within the past That's decade? A movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Technically, <laughs> if we want to get technical here, the well-actually Twitter in me is coming out. 
they did release another one with her as a Netflix original in I know, the past year. and nobody watched it that much. I don't care. It is still within the last 10 years, <laughs> and it still has the same name. You keep giving these references <laughs> to these movies, and I'm like, I have to go look up what the movie's even about anymore. I also anymore. have not seen it. You've never seen the first one? No, 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 no. The, the new one that came oh. out. Like, I've seen the first great. one so many times. It's really good. It's really good, but it's also a decade old, more than a decade that I don't remember it that much. It's mar- It's a martial arts movie. Martial arts cinema doesn't age. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> moving on from this, but uh, I don't know. I might check it out. I'm going to have to start checking out these shows eventually because I've really turned in, as you put it, to the questionnaire, <laughs> and so I might as well just host some of these you can referee a battle of the yeah. captains between me and adrian like yes. we, we can come up with situations to put them each in and me and him would have to like do our homework to like do how they would respond and then you can choose which captain would win in that situation that would be fun cisco would kick the shit out of card vulcan nerve pinch adrian discovery kick the shit at him before he even grabs him um so what i want for Sergeant discovery like i said at the very beginning i love character development so i really don't care who the focus is as long as it gives me a different perspective the reason why i like star trek so much is i can see different perspectives on the captains or like on the crew on the main characters and as long as like that's developed and you know the writing is done well i'll sit there and watch it through the whole entire season to be honest um yeah, that's all I really want. I'm not expecting too much. I haven't really, I haven't really watched anything since that first teaser, so I don't really know what to expect. I just want a good show. So interesting question, though. So you guys say you don't really care who it focuses on. Do you think, as a people who like are pure Star Trek people, if they go with this whole like non-focus on Captain, not really play the Captain up, do you think that is a good or bad thing? Ooh, it would be, yeah, purists. But, I mean, just, I guess, for the actual fandom, I guess, in general. I know there's purists would obviously hate it, but... For the purists, it's a bad thing. For the fandom in general, I would say no, because, like Adrian said, there was a lot of fatigue on how the series were. So, if they're going to bring it back, it might be good to have something fresh. Yeah, and they're bringing in, you know, established actors, so they're not just kind yeah. of like, this isn't some random Netflix, Netflix original with people that aren't known. So, um, they're doing it well with a diverse cast, like Star Trek has done since the 60s. So... I think it'll be all right. I don't think unless like the writing is terrible or they just go completely off book with stuff. I don't. I don't. If they spoke like like kids said, they focus on the exploration and stuff. I think it'll. I think it'll. It'll do well. I'm hoping it does well. I mean, I like Star Trek, man. Just give me more Star Trek. Just like Star Wars. Just they'll, they'll they can keep pumping it out as long as it's good. I'm gonna keep watching. Um. So final thoughts for me. I think the captains are important, and why we're talking about them today is just because they give. Star Trek fans, or just anyone in general who watches Star Trek, someone to root for. Um, no matter what their personality is, there's attraction to some captain somewhere. Like I don't think anyone can watch Star Trek at any one of these series and not identify with one of these captains like wholeheartedly, or at least aspects of the different captains. Um, and w- without them, if it was just like a show that was just about the people and they kind of like equally distributed you know the importance and like the focus i don't know if it would be as prolific as it is now where they're able to maybe just not focus on captains in star trek discovery like they would have done that in the 90s i don't know if it would have been as good because the captain at that point was like you wanted to be jean-luc picard you wanted to be captain kirk um yeah 
Most of my thoughts. My final thought is if you thought Patrick Stewart was a good actor in Logan, go watch Chain of Command 1 and 2. He acts his ass yeah. off. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So we told you who we think you are as a captain. Do you think, is there a captain that like we've talked about that you liked? I have questions first. Okay. Main thing for my final thoughts. One, you guys all said your favorite captain. What's each of your least favorite captain? Kirk. Shatner Kirk. I would probably say Archer just because he's the one I am least familiar with. And I kind of stopped watching the show because he wasn't enticing <laughs> enough for me to be like, oh, okay, I'll keep tuning back for for Enterprise because of that captain. I could have kept watching Janeway, but I just didn't like the supporting cast in Voyager for me to keep watching it. Point Adrian. Quit the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I can't uh, deal with the misogyny. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was the 60s. <laughs> no, I, I just honestly, I didn't say Archer because I haven't watched any of it really with Archer. So I didn't feel like I could say he was my least favorite because I but haven't really But in some terms, him. if you didn't even want to tune in, that could almost... not. Well, I guess technically you have to at least yeah. watch. Tech, to be fair, you, you have you to watch have, something. Like, I watched pieces of it, but I was also watching all of the Star Trek when I was writing my thesis and everything. And so it was really hard for me to finish on time constraints. And, but I, I, I never went back. Like, I stopped and never went back to those. Whereas I've powered through TNG, like, twice already. Okay. So. Second question. One, I guess for both of you, what captain would I most likely be in, or like, and which one would I least be, I guess, like? I would think you would probably like Picard more. And I think you would probably like, probably Archer the least, probably, to be honest. Okay. Either that or just like aspects of Cisco, maybe. Fair. I'm pretty much on the same page with that. Yeah. Don't know how I feel about that. Why? I don't know. Well, I, like, <laughs> I, think, I think if I showed you some of the episodes that I brought up, like I see you in Picard because you form your arguments a lot like Picard does. So what about Jane? Jane away? Yep. I think you'd yeah, like Jane Yeah, I think Jane you'd away. like her. Okay. I, I think you'd like her, her no-nonsense style. Because she's pretty much like... Yeah. She would be the people in Arrow that you root for that just shoot somebody because it makes sense to shoot them at that moment. Yeah. 14% died. And we didn't... I didn't... Yeah, I didn't give you an episode, but the Thaw season two, episode 23, is a pretty good indication of, like, her leadership style and her ability to just, like, outwit and just, like, petrify people for how bad badass she is. So, yeah. for our listeners who want to go check her out, and Matt to go check her out. You should just watch all of the episodes you mentioned, Matt, and, like, that's all of the Star Trek knowledge you need. Yeah, pretty much. I can get behind that. I can do that, possibly. We'll add to the list. <laughs> No, that was really the only two, because, I mean, basically, I guess because if you haven't realized from the show, like, I want to pick my characters based on, or I, I guess, flip characters based on the personality types and, like, how they do things, and so I was just figuring, since you guys had the best version, it would kind of give me at least an aspect of, like, how they would be. Yeah. So what do you think from our highlights, from, like, what we talked about? Which one do you think? Um, well, obviously... Spatula, which is all I think about when you keep saying Pocula. Spatula? Yes. <laughs> the one who has no information? Yes, so the one that has no information, I can't really know, but all I know is Adrian said he quit Star Trek. 
I was breaking it down. You said, what did you think, which would be thing? And I was going with him first of, like, I have no information on him except so that Adrian. Oh, oh, so you're, ac- you're axing them out. I'm axing him completely okay, out because okay. Adrian literally quit the show off of this guy, and I have no other information. Okay. I mean, I literally know. I thought this. you were choosing him. No, no. Okay. Yeah, I was like, why? I literally called him Spatula because that's, like, the only thing that comes to my mind, and there's no other information other than he might be related to Archer. But um, obviously Picard, I like the way he does things, it seems like, so it would be definitely see to relate to him. Um, as far as Cisco, I think it could totally be, I guess, as Adrian said, the 5 out of 10, only because there are, when I look at this list of what he wrote, I'm like, well, that makes sense, and I like this perspective stuff. But then there's other things that I'm like, out of all the people that I kind of want to know, I wish, I mean, I guess uh, Catherine Janaway mm-hmm. seems very intriguing out of the most. Okay. Only because she's on her own, and the fact that he said 14%. That is, okay. I, I can see that. Because if you're on your own with no help and you still get 14%, even though we don't know it could have been higher, she just threw the bodies out the... Matt! Disposal. Nobody was throwing bodies out of the ship. We don't know this. Oh but God. 14%, but with you're on your own with no help, you basically have to, like, just the reality of, like, how you'd have to do things, you would definitely have to be basically as adrian said a badass to do all that and you probably were not probably possibly not very well liked as well we did a poll yesterday um and it ran for 24 hours and we had a lot of votes so thank you for voting on our but why though twitter and basically it was the question that you know we asked matt like who is your favorite captain um and we in the poll we put up the four main captains in my opinion kurt picard cisco and janeway picard ran away with it with 44% of the 113 votes. But I just think people haven't seen enough Deep Space Nine to, or Voyager to make an accurate depiction there. Uh, and then we had Kirk at Kirk at 31% and Cisco at 12% and Janeway at 31%. And we also had one person say Captain Archer in the comments. So there's love everywhere. Yeah, but that's it for me. Yep. You can have your chair back, Kate. That was our Captain's episode. Like I said, we do fan but why those, and we try to say them on the show, but we didn't this time because nobody got to us. But if you listened and you want to throw your two cents in on why Archer is the best or or why any of these captains run away with the prize of best captain, let us know. And I'll put it on the website and I'll spotlight it on our Twitter page at ButWhyThoughPC. Also, if you, since we are doing this, if you can basically portray the captains, do you think they pick the right captain? Our hosts pick the right captain for themselves. Tell us what captains you think we are. You've heard the episodes. You obviously know how people talk and their personalities of somewhat. You know us very well. It's fake. It's <laughs> one of my favorite episodes ever. Um, so as always, you can find me at Oh My Mithrandir on Instagram and Twitter. Adrian. You can find me at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93 on Twitter. And Matt. And you can find me on the Twitter at datm18, D-A-T-T-M-1-8. And I also want to say a special thank you for all the love we received the last week and a half. We, like, went up, like, a hundred followers on Twitter. So thank you, guys. Um, And keep following and liking and leaving us uh, reviews and ratings and uh let's listen. all and listen that'd be the most important thing yeah and share us with your friends yeah <laughs> yeah make make it so <laughs> share us with your friends 
check us out on Patreon. Do all the things. Um, or just retweet us. We love you guys. Uh, yeah, so I don't know how to take us out. How do we take us out, Adrian? I don't know. Supercut of Cisco yelling? Supercut. I'll, sh- I'll send you a supercut. It's a fact. Okay. Okay. I just linked it in the in the thing, and we can you can look at. It and I had the distinct feeling that victory or defeat would be decided in the next few minutes. It's a fake. And it's real. It's a fake. It's real. It's a fake. Don't you understand? It is real! It's a fake! And it's surreal! It's a fake! And it's surreal! It's a fake!